0: The only catch is that she'll have to do something she's never done before and go out in public. Oh man, I feel that. <laughs>
1: Everybody, welcome to episode 371 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill. How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. We're doing the thing that we do once a month, which is so much fun. We do. Talking about all the new books coming out in in September. Um, If you're new, just as a reminder, lots of people do book reviews, lots of people don't do book previews. That's what sets us apart. That's right. It makes us professionals. That's right. so Joe and I are going to go back and forth to all of our books that we're most excited about for this month. Um, we don't share each we don't share the list with with each other beforehand. But <laughs> caveat for September, I told I told you earlier this is like the month of just like Joe month. There are so many like every single if one of these books that's coming out this month that I know are on your list for coming out, I'd be like, wow, Joe's going to be excited this month. Are you doing okay?
0: It's just there's so many.
1: There's so many. It will become evident very quickly if you are a listener of this podcast for a while. All of the Jill books.
0: It's a lot of Jill books. It's a lot of Jill books.
1: I'm excited for you. I'm, I'm going to read <laughs> these you. books as well. Like, I was scrolling through the database that you and I used to look yeah. at upcoming books. And I was like, I'm not going to mention any yeah. of these books. It's all Jill. Um, If you want to get a hold of us, you can go on our website, professionalbooknews.com. There you'll find our social media, which is Pro Book Nerds on both Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us, ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com, which lots of people do. And we'll give you some email or some uh, book recommendations via email. So just let us know what you like. And we will get back to you with some recommendations. Um, yeah. Uh, I, think that, is that, like, I think that's it. that's it. There's like no events or anything I don't think so. for once going on. Um, don't worry about furiously writing down all these books. We'll have them in the show notes. So that is as all accurate yeah because people may be driving while they're listening to us so don't write books on while you're driving um all right i i no time like the president so go ahead and name. i don't know where to start i'm
0: glad you're adding this this? i I don't i was i don't even know (laughs) i
1: know there's literally like six books that could be your most excited book
0: okay oh god okay i got.
1: i'm really i want to know i'm curious what order you're gonna go in here <laughs> I, the uh, I let me let me do the, like the um the visual aids for everyone. Uh, Jill is having an internal struggle.
0: Okay, first one. I mean, keep in mind, obviously, it's not like first first one, but I have to start with something. Wait, words on my Rainbow memoir. I was
1: gonna say you're gonna say I I actually that's not the one I thought you were gonna say first. I thought, it's
0: probably the other one that I was thinking of. My mind yeah. is it the nonfiction one. No. Oh, it's the other fiction? Well, I have a couple of fiction ones. See, this is what we're talking the about. Problem. There's so many good There's books. There's so many. Book. Well, I have feelings about not mentioning other ones. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. We'll get to them. We'll get to them. Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who are Rainbow Rowell fans and are probably fans of Carry On, best way I can describe Carry On is Harry Potter fan fiction. Yeah. I mean, it's it goes off on her own thing. She does her own thing, of course. Um, but it's basically, it is a Harry Potter fan fiction that is like a Harry Draco slash fiction. Like, I,
1: <laughs> I was wondering, because uh, it's a little bit of a giveaway, but it's, it's also quite, I felt it was quite obvious. It was quite
0: obvious from the beginning. Like yeah. that sort of, um, there is the chosen one student. His roommate may or may not be a vampire. Um, he may or may not be in love with him. And I loved it. I loved it. It is a companion book to her book, Fangirl. um, And Carry On, um, The Vampire's Baz, and Rainbow has said that Baz just, like, never left her brain. Like, Baz has always been in there. And so, yeah, she has written a sequel to Carry On called Wayward Son, which is not a coincidence. Get it? Get it? Wow, that's a major music throwback. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Didn't someone ask her, like, on Twitter? It was like, you know that there's a song... Let's carry on yeah. with my wayward side, and she's like, "No way."
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, from my understanding, it is a road trip. Simon and Baz go on a road trip, um, in America. It's like a buddy cop. It is like a butt yeah, and they go on a road trip in America, I believe. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm so excited. I like had this thing pre-ordered for
1: like. Oh yeah, I, months. This is another una- Yeah, we. This is one of those things we talk about. Obviously, we're. We work at Overdrive, and we love libraries, and we will borrow and recommend and promote libraries to the end of the world, but we also purchase books that we love, and this one has been pre-ordered for at our household. So there's like, like 12 books this month that I, are pre-ordered. Yeah, I have a lot pre-ordered. We're going to take a hit on our finances this month. Okay, so yeah, that's Rainbow Row, Wayward Son. And if you didn't exist in this room, that would have also been on my list. Every book that you're going to talk about is technically on my list, too. <sighs> Um, removing the books that you talked to that I knew you were going to talk about, I still had like 15 books on my list. So we're not going to get to all of these. We that's are, yeah. okay. They have like a two hour episode. Um, my first one, and you might have this on your list, but I don't care because I have to pick some that I want to talk about is The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. I do. Yeah, I assumed as much. Um, so nehisi Coates is he is one of the people where like I would read a version of the phone book if he wrote it, just because he, the way he writes is so lyrical and magical and perfect. Um, so if you're familiar with his name but can't figure it out, it's he wrote Between the World and Me, which is the thing he's probably best known for I things hot won the national book award uh, but he's done a million other things but the water dancer is basically um a dramatic telling of a story about a uh, an african-american family who is uh hiram is the main character and he begins his this kind of a journey um, on a p- plantation in virginia and then he ends up in the wilderness and he's in the deep deep south and he's all the way up in the the north and back and forth and there's a little bit of it seems like there's like some underground railroad but magical realism and fan it's it's described as fantasy so it's like a fa- a fantastical version of the underground railroad um it just this is one of those books where when the publishers were talking about it on one of the like publisher yeah, here's our books that are coming out like i almost like stopped listening when they're like water dancer tiny hici coats i was like pre-order good yeah. to go man be so poor after this. Um okay, so that's I don't really need to talk much more about it. It's tiny easy coats and it's gonna be amazing. So
0: my turn again. Okay. Yeah. Um okay, I did fiction last time. There's no reason I'm doing nonfiction this time. Okay. Okay. The Witches are coming by Lindy West.
1: Yeah. This the whole month is Jill Month. Let's celebrate Jill.
0: Lindy West has a new book coming out, and I have an advanced copy of it. Because I'm special. Did you read it already? I've started it. Um so Lindy West, of course, wrote *Shrill* a couple of years ago, which was just huge. Um, and she had written a piece, um, I think, as part of her Guardian column uh, a couple of years ago, about the idea of witch hunt. Um, certain people in Washington have made comments about witch hunts and having people come after them, and
1: certain people.
0: Look, I'm just, you know. I know what you're doing. And uh, Lindy West's response was like, "Yes, this is a witch hunt, and the witches are coming for you." So, um, that it, her new book is just, you know, Lindy being Lindy again, and covering, um, some current events and politics. Um, and I'm so excited because I love everything about Lindy West. So,
1: I'm just, I'm trying to think. Like, people ask us all the time because we've been so fortunate to have so many amazing authors on our podcast so like well who else is left for you that you haven't gotten to talk to and just looking at all the books coming out this month like this month is like all of our dream list of authors that we haven't had on the show yet
0: i was thinking about it when i was going through the list i was like the only one who doesn't have a book coming out that would make it the most perfect would be roxane gay like she's the only one like <laughs> if you had a roxane gay to this list that would be like everything i could possibly want in a book month
1: yeah <laughs> i mean right. pretty
0: much that's
1: I, yeah, That's the only one missing. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, um, That's so funny. Um, Okay, so my next one is The Ten Thousand Doors of January. Did you have this on your list too? I thought you wouldn't have this one on your list. Okay.
0: I mean, are you kidding me? There's like magical books. I
1: know. So Okay, so here's the reason I put it on my list. It's by Alex E. Harrow. Um, and Alex is spelled A-L-I-X, which is the first time I've ever seen that. Here's why I put it on my list. I read a book that is coming out in November that I will talk about for our November podcast and the person who's on the podcast uh, in November when it, co- when it comes out that was uh, full stop the best book I've ever read and I was blown away by it and this book is almost like a twin of that book so much so that the author that I uh, am now buddies with Uh, She basically said she's like the 10,000 doors of January came out and it's so unique and wonderful. And it's such an impossible story. And it mirrors my book somehow. And like (laughs) like these the two authors were like joking, like, how did we write this like these parallel books? So anyway, there's this sprawling mansion filled with peculiar. That's a tough word. I hate that word. Peculiar treasures. And January scholar is a curiosity herself. Uh, as the ward of a wealthy Mr. Locke she feels a little different from the artifacts that decorate the halls they're carefully maintained largely ignored and utterly out of place then she finds a strange book a book that carries the scent of other worlds and tells a tale of secret doors of love adventure and danger each page turns each page turn reveals impossible truths about the world and January discovers a story increasingly entwined with her own it's scary how much the two these books mirror each other not gonna talk about the other one I'm going to talk about it literally from November until the end of time on this podcast. So I'm not going to bore you guys. But 10,000 Doors of January sounds whimsical. It almost sounds like... um, Remember that movie, The Pagemaster with yes. Macaulay Culkin?
0: <laughs> Again, Adam, how did you not expect me to put it on my list?
1: I know. I'm sorry. I had to pick some books I, know that that. I talk I about. I know that. That's
0: fair. That's fair. I should have just like just stuck with my five or whatever uh, it was. This four. would have been
1: the the right time to have the shared google doc that we talked about. This would about have been a right time. just to be safe. Um okay, so we both are excited about the first four books that we've talked about. I'm not going to do anything in September other than watch football then it comes back and read books. There you go. That's it.
0: There you go. Oh god. Okay. Okay. Um All right. This next one I have a lot of feelings about because I'm not sure how necessary it is, and yet I also feel like it's kind of necessary. I know what you're
1: about to talk about. I know.
0: So The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, which is the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. For me, The Handmaid's Tale ended so perfectly for what it is that the idea of a sequel, I don't know. I have feelings about it. But I I should read it first before I actually confirm those feelings. Maybe my feelings are wrong. Maybe... This is very necessary. Um, I believe, from my understanding, this takes place like 20 years after the events of The Handmaid's Tale. Um, and but if you've read The Handmaid's Tale, like there's this whole epilogue thing. And so, like, I just yeah, I I am I am intrigued to find out what happens. Mm-hmm. But I'm going in slightly
1: skeptical. Wow.
0: Just because, I don't know. I
1: understand. You know what I mean?
0: Maybe skeptical. I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant. Maybe skeptical is the wrong word. I'm Mm -hmm. a little hesitant about this. Um, So that is The Testaments by Margaret Atwood. We
1: are having such high-level book nerdery conversations this episode, like, talking about, like, the ending of a book that I we assume a lot of people read, but, like, both of us, like, dancing around what happens, but then this fun. No, I, it's, you're absolutely right. I
0: think, well, because, well, what's interesting is, so, if you watch the television show, the first season follows very closely with the plot line of the book. But the book has an epilogue that is not touched on in the TV show, which slightly changes your perspective of what you just read. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the television show continues on. And, you know, Atwood is like a consultant. I'm assuming they're not just making this up on the fly without her. And <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And so there is some understanding of, of what happens, And they give you kind of a wider view of Gilead and, and the world at that time. And I just I just don't know what to expect from this. And mm-hmm. again, for me, The Handmaid's Tale is one of those just really, really good I don't want to say wonderful because the book subject is not, but it it ends in a way that leaves me always very satisfied. It tells a full story. It tells a full story, but it still leaves it open for questions, and that's what I like about it. And so having a sequel come in that maybe fills in some of those gaps, I'm not quite so sure about. I had this friend, Missy. I don't think Missy listens to the podcast, so she won't mind
1: this. But come on Missy,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. So she and I have. She does not like Margaret Atwood books. It is a long-standing
1: disagreement between
0: i'm I'm fine (laughs) no no no. she doesn't like them for the same reason i do she doesn't like books that leave an open end i think the handmaid's tale might be one she actually does like because it slightly closes things but it's but it leaves her at a level where she's like okay with the open-endedness other books of margaret atwood are just completely open-ended and she's just like no i hate them um and so that's sort of where i'm coming from like i i like the ending of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I'm I'm hesitant. Yeah. I will read it, of course, but I'm hesitant.
1: It's so funny you say that because my um, <clears throat> and my mom, I talked to her this weekend, and she's rereading all of the Toni Morrison books. Um, so if you're wondering uh, where I get my book nerdery from, it comes from my mother who does things like when an author she adores and also came from where we lived growing up, uh, passes away, she rereads all of their books. So that's Love You, Mama. Um, But she was reading Song of Solomon And she's like did you read that and I was like yes obviously I've read all of her works and she's like Really ends like Kind of really out there and I'm like yeah Uh huh and it was at that moment That I realized that my mom might be the toughest Book critic in the world because she's like yeah I just wish it was a little bit different ending I'm like you are being judgmental About Toni Morrison mother Be be careful watch yourself Anyway sorry
0: Um, I have a lot of feelings I know a lot of feelings.
1: Well, you'll have to give us your thoughts after you read it, for sure. sure. Uh, Here's one I know you will not have on your list. Because it's about dogs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I definitely did not put this one (laughs) on my list because I knew you would. Yes.
1: Uh, So, the the book is called Our Dogs, Ourselves by Alexandra Horowitz. Uh, Alexandra Horowitz writes a whole bunch of books about dogs. She had Inside of a Dog, Being a Dog. Uh, She did... What's the other one? Um, There's one more. I'm looking. uh, But... She is basically a dog scientist. Um, she studies dogs and their habits and how they interact with each other and how they interact with humans and the dynamics between uh, humans and dogs as pets and as kind of cohabitants. And how having a dog, whether it's your decision to breed dogs, own dogs, adopt them, whatever it is, you, you enter this relationship uh, and how it changes literally every single aspect of your life. Um, and it's so true i joke all the time like my two dogs i love them to death we we don't have kids our dogs are our kids and um, i talk about it all the time our oldest dog holden is a weimaraner and he there's also a weimaraner on the cover of this book for what it's worth um he like w- Uh, bar none, my oldest dog, Holden, is my best friend. Like it's—he's a dog, but he's my best friend. We've had him for nine years. He's the first dog that I ever owned. I will be emotionally, you know, distraught when he passes away. I'm also a human being who understands these things happen. But like, our dogs have changed my lives. I wake up at 5:30 in the morning to come to work during the work week. And if I had my druthers, I would sleep in on the weekends because I get up at 5.30 to come to work. Um, no, my dogs are used to the, that schedule. So they wake me up by like 5.45 on the weekends. And that's just when I'm awake. And it's because it's not even because they have to go to the bathroom. They want a dentist stick and they want to be fed because they're jerks. Um, and the same thing with like, you learn these little tells of your dogs. I'm sure cats are the same way. But like, if my dog comes over and like looks at me a certain way, I just have like, I have been trained to know like, oh, he wants to go outside. You just know these things. And so he, she writes these books all about, The relationship between um, humans and dogs. And every time she writes one, even if they're repetitive, I will read them because they're adorable. And I don't ever have to worry about it being a fictional story with a dog uh, where the dog dies, (laughs) which is a book that I'm reading right now for something we're doing much later in the year that I wasn't prepared for. So Our Dogs, Ourselves by Alexander Horowitz. Um, I'm excited to learn more about my relationship with my dogs. Proceed. Okay.
0: (laughs) Next on the list is The Institute by Stephen King.
1: This is insane. This month is insane.
0: Especially if you actually, like, read the subject of this, because I've said this before, but, like, books, usually when they're thrillers, but this sort of sounds like that, like, books set on academic campuses... (laughs) (laughs) With a close-knit group of people, like, suspicious people. Um, Okay, so, in the middle of the night, in a house on a quiet street in suburban Minneapolis, intruders silently murder Luke Ellis's parents and load him into a black SUV. Things are fine. The operation... (laughs) The operation takes less than two minutes. Luke will wake up at the institute in a room that looks just like his own, except there's no window. And outside his door are other doors, behind which are other kids with special talents, like telekinesis and telepathy who got to this place the same way Luke did. They are all in front half. Others, Luke learns, graduated to back half. Like the Roach Motel, Kalisha says.
1: Oh, my God. You
0: check in, but you don't check out. sure that's actually hotel California, but those stuff.
1: Well, also, Roach Motel is also, in theory okay. you don't check okay. out. Yeah.
0: In, uh, in this most sinister of institutions, the director, Mrs. Sigsby, and her staff are ruthlessly dedicated to extracting from these children the force of their extra-normal gifts. There are no scruples here. If you go along, you get tokens for the vending machines. If you don't, punishment is brutal. As each new victim disappears to back half, Luke becomes more and more desperate to get out and get help. But no one has ever escaped from the Institute.
1: I like the word scruples. It's not used enough. Scruples is a good word. It's not used enough in things. Man, I'm excited. I like when Stephen King writes new original content.
0: Dear Steve, please come on the podcast. Yeah,
1: seriously. Actually, everyone we've mentioned so far. Please come on the podcast. None well, of you, for sure. Yeah. None of you have been on before. Um, someone who has been on uh, several times. Uh, my buddy, Carrie Maniscalco, has a book coming out called Capturing the Devil. Uh, this is the fourth book in the Stalking Jack the Ripper series. Uh, long-time listeners to the podcast will know that she has been on several times. Uh, you can just go to professionalbookturners.com and look up her name, Carrie Maniscalco. You'll find the several episodes. Um this lady has my whole heart she's so wonderful uh this particular book it's the she says it's the shocking finale but i feel like she's going to keep writing about Audrey rose and thomas her two main characters i hope she keeps writing about them forever so the, the last few books it's been you know stalking jack the ripper and there's one about prince dracula and this one is they're hunting down the white city devil so they're in chicago for the world's fair and they get into this uh kind of cat and mouse mystery horror situation with the white city devil i'll read anything carrie writes uh not only that she's my my wife's favorite author and uh she's single-handedly and i hope you're listening carrie because i know that she listens to the podcast uh my oldest sister uh has recently gotten back into reading this year it was like her new year's resolution and she stuck to it and the two main reasons are libby our app which she's like it's so convenient i've been telling you this for nine (laughs) years and because the first book that she read this year and now she's read the entire series is carrie maniscalco's jack the ripper series and so she's been like ask her when she's coming out with a new book See, there you go so i'm gonna take credit for capturing the devil coming out you're welcome heather so carrie maniscalco capturing the devil so excited
0: Okay, my next one is The Grammarians by Katherine Shine. So these are about two twins, Laurel and Daphne Wolfe, who are identical, inseparable, redheaded twins who share an obsession with words. They speak a secret twin tongue of their own as toddlers. And as adults making their way in 1980s Manhattan, their verbal infatuation continues. But this love, which has always bound them together, begins instead to push them apart. Daphne, copy editor and grammar columnist, devotes herself to preserving the dignity and elegance of standard English. Laurel, who gives up teaching kindergarten to write poetry, is drawn instead to the polymorphous chameleon nature of the written and spoken word. Their fraying... This is the best part. Their frayed twinship finally shreds completely when the sisters go to war over custody of their most prized family heirloom, Merriam-Webster's New International Dictionary, Second Edition.
1: That's amazing. So <laughs> I saw this and I was like, "This is a joke book."
0: So it is compared to like the authors compared to Nora Ephron and Nancy Mitford with a little bit of Jane Austen in there. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited for the grammarians.
1: Um, my next one is The Lady Rogue by Jen Bennett. uh we joked I think a couple months ago about like how there's certain types of books that just like. The bar is so low. If you tell me it's like in this certain subject, I'm like, stop, you know, stop explaining. I'm good. Uh, one of those uh, I joke was uh, badass lady pirates is one. Okay. Uh, another one of my many, many things that falls in my wheelhouse, stealing that from uh, reading glasses. Hi, hi, ladies. Um, is why uh, folklore, and especially YA folklore that has someone that is from. Uh, history. So this one is The Last Magicians meets A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. In this thrilling tale filled with magic, set in the mysterious Carpathian Mountains, where a go- girl must hunt down Vlad the Impaler's cursed ring in order to save her father. Uh, guess what, guys? Not only that, but Vlad the Impaler himself might also be looking for these cursed rings.
0: Naturally. Uh, yeah,
1: I know. Very, very exciting. Uh, not only that, it's a whoa! It's a young girl who's traveling the world she's extremely well read because she's read every book in her father's library but she hasn't seen the world itself and her father is a traveler oh my god this is every fantasy trope i'm so excited for all that's missing is a prophecy and perhaps a magic school maybe there'll be more of that later on the down the road i don't know but like it just the lady rogue it sounds so much fun i'm so excited and there's several more of these in this month as well
0: okay so um i have a ya fantasy book does not happen very often that would be the babysitter's coven.
1: <laughs> I don't have this. Go By
0: Kate M. Williams. Okay. Um, so 17-year-old Esme Pearl has a babysitter's club. She knows it's kind of lame, but what else else is she supposed to do? Get a job? Gross.
1: Does <laughs> it say gross in there? Do Does... that? Oh, my God.
0: Besides, <laughs> Esme likes babysitting, and she's good at it. And lately, Esme needs all the cash she can get because it seems like the destruction follows her wherever she goes. Enter Cassandra Heaven. She's Instagram model hot, dresses like she found her clothes in a dumpster, <laughs> and has a rebellious streak as gnarly as a cafeteria cooking. So why is Cassandra willing to do anything, even take on potty-trained two-year-old to join Esme's babysitter's club? The answer lies in a mysterious note Cassandra's mother left her. Find the babysitter's love mom. Turns out Esme and Cassandra have more in common than they think, and they're about to discover what being a babysitter really means. A heroic line of lineage of superpowers magic rituals and saving the innocent from severely uh, seriously terrifying evil and all before the parents get home
1: oh my god that sounds so good are you kidding me september rules
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is the babysitter's coven by kate williams
1: holy hell oh my god I was like getting more giddy every every sentence you said. That's like the best description. of a book. I had
0: to like cut certain things because I would have just started laughing and been not able to uh, finish. So go read the description; it's even better.
1: I'm going to as soon as we are with this episode. Um, okay, my next one is the Hotel Never Sink by Adam O'Fallon Price. Uh, so I'm just gonna kind of read the description here because I don't want to leave anything out. Uh, 31 years after workers first broke ground, the magnificent Hotel Never Sink in the Catskills finally opens to the public. Then a young boy disappears. This mysterious vanishing and the ones that follow will brand the lives of three generations. At the root of it all is Asher, the ambitious and ruthless patriarch whose purchase of the hotel in 1931 set a haunting legacy into motion. His daughter Jeannie, who sees the Hotel Never Sink into its most lucrative era, but also its darkest, and then. And decades later, Asher's grandchildren grapple with the family's heritage uh, in their own ways. So Len fights to keep the failing, dilapidated hotel alive, and Alice sets out to finally uncover the murderer's identity. You're giving me a century's worth of sweeping family narrative that also has something to do with a potentially uh, haunted hotel. Yeah, let's do it. September's the best month ever. I'm so excited. So that's The Hotel Never Sink by Adam O'Fallon Price. Uh,
0: I have one more left.
1: Okay, I have like several, but that's really, it's all good.
0: My last one is A Song for a New Day by Sarah Pinsker. So, in the before, when the government didn't prohibit large public gatherings, Luce Cannon was on top of the world. One of her songs had just taken off and she was on her way to becoming a star. Now, in the after, terror attacks and deadly viruses have led the government to ban concerts and Luce's connection to the world. Her music, her purpose is closed off forever. She does what she has to do. She performs an illegal concert to a small but passionate community, always evading the law. Could you imagine if there were no concerts? That would be terrible. That would
1: be terrible. Yeah.
0: Rosemary Lewis barely remembers the before times. She spends her day in hood space, helping customers order all of their goods online for drone delivery. No physical contact with humans needed. But le- By lucky chance, she finds a new job and has a new calling. Discover amazing musicians and bring their concerts to everyone via virtual reality. The only catch is that she'll have to do something she's never done before and go out in public. Oh, man, I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) Find the illegal concerts and bring the musicians into the limelight they deserve. But when
1: (laughs) I'm like, broken. That was so funny.
0: But when she sees how the world could actually be, that won't be enough.
1: Oh, man, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, I have a few more. I'll just do like one or two more, and then we'll just put the rest of them in the show notes. Because, like I said, this month is bananas. Um, "Serpent and Dove" by Shelby Mahurin. Um, so this is a YA fantasy with uh, based in folklore. Again, like I, there's so many of these coming out. I love the fall. It's so good. Okay, so. Two years ago, this is the beginning of a fantasy duology, so it's going to be two of these books. Two years ago, Louise LeBlanc fled her coven and took shelter in the city of Cesarine, forsaking all magic and living off whatever she could steal. There, witches like Lou are hunted, they're feared, and they are burned. As a huntsman of the church, Reed Diggory, incredible name, has lived lived his life by one principle. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. But when Lou pulls a wicked stunt, the two are forced into an impossible situation. Jill, they get married. What's that? Enemies becoming married in a forced situation? And there's folklore and magic? Injected into my veins. Yeah. I'm so on board. I showed this to Andrea, and she, like, screamed. She's like, oh, my God, this is the best possible situation. Um. So, yeah, a, a real uh, enemies to lovers situation in Serpent and Dove, and it just sounds wonderful. Um, I have several more. They're in the show notes, but it, the only last one I want to mention, because I talked about it several months ago with the author, is Victoria Schwab it has a book come out coming out called Tunnel of Bones, which is the second book in her City of Ghosts series, and it's so much fun. There's Cassidy Blake as the main character, and her best friend is a ghost, Jacob, and uh, her parents travel around the world filming these television shows about the world's most haunted cities and this is just the best possible way for an author to create a series of books sure because she has a perfect excuse to just without reason take her characters to a new city so shout out yeah shout out to victoria for doing that so um the first one is really really fun and then this one they're going to be in paris where like there's the catacombs and all sorts of stuff yeah in fact the the cover is uh cassidy and her cat Uh, Just like sitting or standing in like this, what looks like this haunted aisleway of skulls, which is obviously the catacombs and like over top of them in the shadows is Paris looks very good. So that's Tunnel of Bones. And then, yeah, be sure to check out the show notes because I'm going to put some more of them. Well, We'll put some more of them in there. You're editing this one. I'm editing this one. Jill's going to put them in the show notes. Um, So, yeah, that's a smattering of September books. Mm. And definitely if you want something else. Shoot us an email because we'll have all of the recommendations. And since we're coming up into September, I can talk about this now and we'll do it a few times. September 18th is Reading Ebook Day, a holiday I invented six years ago. Um, it's like the most fun day in our office, maybe outside of Halloween, because uh, our office turns into like a coffee, basically a coffee house. And we have wonderful coffee. We were talking about the coffee flavors.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, let's admit it. We love Reading Ebook Day because. Work supplies like 25 different coffee creamer flavors. Yeah,
1: it's really the best. It's so good. And they, they also do like pastries and all sorts of snacks and stuff. I'm in it but for the, the coffee co- creamer. The co- yeah, th- that's I mean, the day. I
0: mean, we get coffee creamer on a daily basis, but there's like more Fancy options. ones.
1: Um, so September 18th is Read Ebook Day. book um, Day. If you go to com, you can get book recommendations and learn more about it. But basically, we just want to celebrate digital reading. So if you... Go on social media and use the hashtag ebook love. All one word, obviously, because it's a hashtag. Um, uh, you just share what you're reading and how you're celebrating the day on September 18th. Again, that's hashtag ebook love. Uh, and we'll be giving away Libby swag and devices and all sorts of fun stuff. And if you're a library that's listening, uh, be sure to participate on our resource center. We have ma- marketing materials for you guys. And if you use the hashtag ebook love, again, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to use it, we're going to give away a whole bunch of free content credit for our marketplace. So um, it's a lot of fun. It usually ends up getting a lot of attention on the day of. So um, yeah, just the same end of the day. Cause I wanted to celebrate digital books. Sure. Cause they're awesome. Um, anything else you think people should know about?
0: I think that's everything.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this very <laughs> excited episode of the professional book nerds podcast.